Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as ever by Will Schroeder, my partner, friend, and Startups.com CEO and founder. Uh, today, Will, we are going to talk about something that I, I think, as we often do, a lot of people get wrong or are very confused about or maybe haven't even considered. Um, and, you know, we often talk about these things we want to achieve and how big we want to get and how much money we want to make and, and how rich we want to be. Um, and, you know, you and I were kicking this around a few days ago and, and we said, you know, the notion first should really be like, how do I get safe? You know, before I, before I feel rich, how can I just start to feel safe, right? How can I, how can we take some of the fear out of the startups game? Um, and, and where is that threshold compared to the traditional feeling of, you know, monopoly man rich? You know, it's interesting. It's like when, when you're younger and you didn't, you know, you, you hadn't been around long enough, you sort of had this concept that I need to make so much money that I never need to work again. And, and then I'll feel safe. And, and I, you know, I hear that a lot. I hear a lot of people saying, oh, you know, I, I need to go big on this. And it needs to be a huge exit so that, you know, I never need to work again. And that argument used to make sense to me before, again, I'd been around long enough to understand that it makes no sense. Um, because what people are often uh, confusing is being rich and being safe. In other words, just like you're saying, Ryan, I think early on we thought being rich meant being safe, but they're actually two kind of different things. And, and don't get me wrong, like uh, being safe is a richness into itself, but I don't think it's it's as expensive as people think it is. I think safety can be had for a much lower threshold than being what we'd consider to be rich. And what I think would be kind of cool today is if we just start to explain to people, because I think it's really important, um, the difference in the two and how if you're if you're getting into your company or you're starting to develop your company, how really what you're looking for both the company and yourself, is to establish a baseline to say, okay, now I'm safe. Now, how do I become rich? And you know what the distinction is. And I, I got to ask you, Ren, if, if you think back to kind of personal journey, milestones in your life, was there a moment where you can remember, hey, actually, I'm kind of safe for a minute and like how it changed your thinking a bit? Yeah, yeah, there were there were two. There were two that were, were kind of the the most critical. Well, there there were there were several, but let me give you two that are that are a bit different, and um, and and one is probably a lot more common for people, and I think that one will be interesting to explore too. Uh, the, the first, if we're going to go chronologically, was back in the early two thousands. Um, I did a, a very baby sale on on a digital agency, and you know, uh, by the time I, I paid out all of my friends uh, who were also working for me at the time that I'd given equity to. Uh, you know, I ended up with something just over six figures and, um, okay. At 22, that felt like all the money in the world. I was going to say that's a billion dollars at 22. <laughs> it was, I mean, like it was like, yeah, like I had no, I had no college debt. Um, I hadn't, you know, I was, I was, I was free and clear to go and do what I wanted. And I, so I had this incredible sense of both safety and that that was as much of a backstop as I could imagine. Like I couldn't think about based, based on the fact that I'd been running a startup and going to college at the same time, um, to say that I led a fairly, uh, uh, tight, uh, lifestyle would be, uh, the grossest understatement of the year. Um, right. So that was enough cash to last forever at my current run rate. Um, 
but it, it allowed me then to, to make some, some decisions based on that perception of safety, right? I, I had a backstop and I felt like I could now go and pursue some things I wanted to do, um, which were to start to travel internationally and start businesses internationally, which uh, I did both of. Um, and it was, it was a ton of fun. And, and that essentially funded the next couple of businesses um, and uh, a, a second exit, uh, but, which is great, right? Right. Just uh, let me ask you, though. At that moment... Uh, how did you, or did you, I shouldn't say, how did, uh, did you feel safe and, and, and did you feel rich? Um, again, and, and we're looking I, at, if, yeah. if I'm going to distinguish, safe is, okay, I, I'm not like living huge, but I can get by, I, I, I can absorb a couple storms, Yeah, um, which a lot of people really never sense. get to that point. Yeah, I, I didn't. I certainly didn't feel rich, right? I, I definitely felt like I had enough money um, to do what I wanted to do uh, for the foreseeable future at, at that point, right? Um, but it wasn't like, oh, I can retire now. I mean, I got a, a little over a hundred thousand dollars. It wasn't like I was going to just, you know, well, that's it. I'm done. Uh, I'm going to become a hermit on a mountainside in yeah, who knows where. So no, it was. Uh, it was really. It was the sense of safety, and I mean. Having started the company very young and operated it very young, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of scary things. And so I, I felt safe in two ways. One that, you know, post exit and post the earnout, um, all of those daily stresses and scary things that were happening to me went away. Um, but if we talk about, you know, the, the amount of money that, that was put on the table, that was really where most of the perception of safety came from because all the real challenges at that point in my life were like, how do we pay the rent? How do we pay the staff? How do we pay that? Right. All that stuff. And, and those went away for the time being. I mean, it just absolutely were, were no longer a concern. Um, which had that amazing, you know, freeing uh, sensation and it opened up my thinking again and let me just kind of, let's just go, let's go play, right? Let's go, let's go figure out what we want to do next um, without any real pressure around the decision, which was awesome. It was such a great place to be in. Um, and again, like I, I think that did stem from a sense of safety, right? It was like, well, I can't fail at least in the near term, right? I had enough to weather at least a couple of storms. I mean, like, you know, at that point, Big surprises for me at that stage, which is so funny to think back on now, uh, were like, oh, gosh, you know, we forgot about this bill and it's like $250, right? You can have a lot of those kind of disasters with 100K in the bank, right? It's not money forever, um, but it covers you for a lot of those little little incidental uh, baby storms, right? I was going to say that there's there's two pieces, too. There's, there's being personally safe and there's being business safe, right? You know... At some point, the business had to get to a point where it was safe enough that it was going to be around long enough so you could plan for it. And then at some point, hopefully, you also became safe enough that you could kind of, you know, uh, make your next bet. Yeah, that's exactly it, right? And, you know, the, the, the safety of the business had already been established at that point for about a year. I mean, we were, we were doing well enough that at that point, you know, it had already been a good solid year where the, the, the safety of the business was established enough. I and mean, it's, it's the agency world, you know what that looks like. So it can, it can ebb and flow in a moment's notice. Um, but it felt stable enough. And, uh, then at the point at which the acquisition happened, you know, with a, a fairly short earnout of, of six months, uh, kind of more of a turnkey really than an earnout. And it was, um, uh, by the time I entered that phase, it was like, well, it's really owned by somebody else. So if the business fails, it's not really on me anymore. Um, you know, salaries are being covered by, by uh, the parent company at that point, all that. So, you know, there was, there was a, a strong degree of safety. And so at that point, you know, the business was perfectly safe. Um, it was essentially out of my hands. Somebody else was, was a good shepherd at that point. And um, I just had to worry about my personal safety. 
which then came at the end of that six-month period when the, 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 the balance of the, the acquisition was paid out and all my friends got their, their little checks and everybody was, was quite happy about that and, and feeling safe. And, you know, it's funny, like, like going back, um, I remember the sense of safety that that gave to, to some of my friends as well, right? Uh, you know, they paid off things like their student debt or, you know, the rest of their car loan um, eliminated, you know, the, whatever their biggest bill was. Um, and, and I remember we, we all did talk about it at that time, you know, we were, we were young and dumb. And so, you know, the context in which we just discussed it was very different. Um, but there was this sense of, of ease that came over all of us. It was like, wow, we can, we can take a little bit of a breather. And, and the time at which it came was great because I would say 75% of us graduated within that same like year to 18 month period. Um, with just a few that were, were still in school and a few had, had graduated prior to any of that happening. Um, so it was a nice time for all of that to happen because, you know, it, it typically, uh, it, it's more of a high pressure time. And, and so like the timing of that was great. So feeling safe in that moment, you know, right after graduation, uh, was, was quite different than what most of my peers were experiencing, which was the stress of trying to go find a job and deal with a boss and, uh, pay student debt and all that stuff. So yeah, it was, uh, very fortunate to have that at that time. You touched on some interesting points there uh, that I just want to kind of expand a bit. One of the things you talked about is you guys paid off debts, right? Uh, student loan debts, car debts, things like that. And one of the things that I think when we're first kind of getting into startups, getting into our careers, whatever, that we think about is like, I want to be rich so I don't have a student loan debt or I don't have a mortgage or I don't have a, you know, uh, 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 this. And, and all of that makes sense. But if we start to really distill down what that really means... And what it really costs. Yeah. Correct. And that's, that's a lot of what we're going to talk about because when a lot of people are, are listening to this, they're thinking, oh, these guys are just talking about safety. Guys, we're not just talking about safety. We're talking about optimizing your approach to building a startup to be able to get to a minimum viable level where you can be safe so you can go become rich. See, the, the, the whole point here is that I think when we combine the two, when we combine safety... Uh, I have enough that I can kind of weather storms with being rich. Like I have enough that I can uh, never have to work again and fly in a private jet. Those are two very different goals, right? It's the difference between trying to get on first base and trying to hit a grand slam uh, home run, right? The problem is when we start with uh, building our startup, we make all these decisions. We keep thinking, so not, not everybody, but sometimes, um, I have to hit a grand slam home run. I've got to raise $100 million and exit for $10 billion and become Elon Musk. Aside from the fact that statistically, that's almost never going to happen. And I'm not knocking that goal. I'm saying take it in stages. Stage one, just get on base, right? Stage one is <laughs> have enough money that I'm okay so that I can swing for the fences. Again, the problem is people combine those two goals. They say, oh, I'm not interested in, in just living okay. I don't want to just be safe. I want to be fabulously wealthy. Well, I think even as people are listening now, I, I think that, you know, if you just follow it logically, you can say, well, yeah, okay, but safety happens along the way to being rich. Um, but if we, if we reverse a couple of days and go back to uh, last week's episode, one of the things we talked about was the fact that if the goal is too far out, then you, you're, you're optimizing for this, this long range thing versus a short range thing. Um, you're far less likely to achieve the short range thing and in turn achieve the long range thing as well. And so I, I think that that's, that's part of the conversation today is that 
yeah, being safe is a byproduct of being rich, but it's not necessarily um, a, a foregone conclusion that you're going to get rich, but you probably can get safe, right? And so starting there, and to your point, that opens up the door much wider to actually achieve the, the longer-term goals, dreams of, of expanding from safety to a point of wealth or, or being rich or whatever. That's that's really well put. Uh, I like that that you kind of recapped on the fact that we say these comes come in stages. So what we're really talking about here is we're talking about milestones, right? We're saying that let's think about what safety looks like as a milestone. And frankly, if that's as far as we ever get with this business, that's not the worst place to be. But we'll also talk. We'll, we'll get to this later. But we'll also talk about how getting to that milestone allows you to become rich because you get to do things that other people don't get to do. You have the ability to swing for the fences. And if you miss, you're still okay because you've already gotten on base. But when I when I really try to distill this with founders and I say, okay, let's just get to safety. Uh, what does safety look like for you? Consistently, I hear, well, if I had 10 million in the bank, I'd feel safe. It's like, no shit, right? <laughs> of course you'd be safe, right? Um, but but then I that I I push a little bit because this is such an important part because the probability of you getting ten million in the bank is so incredibly low that I can't leave you as the founder as that being your only choice to get out of this right like I, I need to show you that there are other steps along the way in critical decisions that you can make as part of this journey to get on base and safe so that you can go to do those things and if you don't you're not totally screwed so. We dig into to how much money is safety. And to do that, uh, what I found, Ryan, is, is I think we have to start with safety means you can weather a storm. What does a storm look like to you, right? I'll give an example. When you were saying you're 22 years old and you had to say $100,000, what do you think a storm was to you? Uh, what would that event maybe be and what would it cost you at that point? Oh, man, it was things like... Oh shit, tuitions due. <laughs> right? Or Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah. There's an extra payroll period this month. Um and rent is due because it's always due. Right? It was it was tiny little things, right? Or needing to go to the doctor and pay the exorbitant copay. It was it was tiny little stuff at that point. Of course, those things scale, right? I I'm, we're a family of 5 now. Um and so, you know, all of those things, you know, my my both my ability to weather a storm and what I consider a storm is very different than what I would have considered a storm then. Um, and, and so, but yeah, there's, there's, a, there's millions of little things, right? And it, it can be personal. It can be friends, family. It can be a lot of things that anything that taps into cash that you weren't expecting um, is some sort of a storm. I, I haven't had income for a year or maybe I want to start a startup. You know who to guess? Uh, and uh, I'm not going to make income for a couple of years. The, the point to all of this is, those have numbers attached to them, right? <laughs> and, and if we don't define those numbers, we tend to wind up with goals that just don't make sense. For example, and I was talking in terms of weight loss because it's a, something that everybody understands. I weigh 180 pounds. If I were to say, I need to lose 100 pounds, and you'd be like, have you played that out for a second? You want to weigh 80 pounds? I was like, no, I, just, I need to lose a ton of weight so I don't have to worry about losing weight anymore. Right. That'll be enough to last me for the rest of my life, <laughs> which will be significantly shorter at 80 pounds. Oh, my God. Right, right. When you don't define our goals, we wind, we wind up on this amorphous path that lacks definition. And when it lacks definition, it lacks the, the acuity to be able to say, I need to know what decision to make that's most probable for this outcome. For example, if we were to say, you know, 
$100,000 in the bank, um, which again, when people are listening, uh, you got to understand our listeners are all different stages than our lives. We've got we've got listeners that spend $100,000 in a month, and we have listeners that have never made $100,000 in a year and probably never will, right? So again, we're, we're, we're trying to address a broad spectrum of folks here. Your mileage may vary. However, with $100,000 in the United States, there aren't that many problems that you can't absorb, okay? So that's more safety net. That's like, well, damn, if if I, you know, risk a bit and and I get hit with something, I can probably absorb it. But let's ratchet it up a little bit. Let's say for $250,000, are there that many problems that you couldn't absorb? Now let's say you make $150,000 a year, which is a great salary, um and you're out of work for 2 years. That's I mean that's that's net income obviously that's that's not gross income. That's about 2 years worth of income. That's a huge safety net, right? Here's here's where things get a bit messed. When when founders hear like do I want to make $250,000 or you know uh $100,000, they tend to cheapen those goals. At least publicly they do. Because I don't I, I think it doesn't sound like it has a lot of bravado to it to say man I would kill to have that much money in the bank. But behind closed doors, when they look at $1,000 in their bank account, they're like, yeah, but you know, I really mind having that money, right? (laughs) Yep. Multiplying that by 250 would feel pretty good. Well, so, right. So I guess what I'm saying is within the startup narrative, I don't think there's a healthy and deliberate discussion about what safety really is and how damn important it is, both for the business and personally, although we're mostly talking personally, to have. And so if I were to look at um, myself, let's say at 25 years old, and I were to say, what does a safety net look like? And what would putting that much money in the bank allow me to achieve? Let's say that at 25 years old, I wasn't married yet, didn't have kids. Um, If I had $100,000 in the bank at 25, I would still want to buy a house at some point. Uh, you know, have my car payment, et cetera. Uh, I would have been out of college, didn't have any student loans. Uh, You save a lot of money when you drop out. And uh, like beyond that, uh, uh, not a lot of big expenses, which means I could make some pretty healthy swings at 100K. And the reason I bring that up is because for, for all of us who are listening, who build businesses for a living, a business that throws off 100K uh, isn't un- inconceivable. And a lot of people look at that and go, oh, 100K is nothing. Mm, 100K is a lot of money if it means the difference between having it and not having it. Um, and so early in my career, I would have been insanely focused on getting to that milestone. And I would say, look, at 100K, here are all the problems that I'll be able to absorb. And I'd be very meticulous. And when I say I would be, I was. I was very meticulous about this, about what problems I could endure and what problems I could not. By being so explicit, it took a lot of the guessing off the table. In other words, at 100K, I could say, you know what? There are only two problems that I can't withstand right now, right? Two years of unemployment and getting cancer, right? You know, some some major kind of uh, terminal t- type of cancer. But that's it. There's literally nothing else that I can't absorb right now. I don't hear people say it exactly like that. And I think it's really important. It's, as you said earlier on, it, the, the mark gets overshot by such a uh, such an extent that it's almost ludicrous right if if 10 million is your mark and and we can sort of objectively prove that $100,000 actually gives you a hell of a lot of safety then the the malalignment there is critical right and and to you, to both of our points from earlier um 
it changes the way you think, it changes the way you act, um, and it, it changes your optionality on, on a lot of things, right? If, you know, when, when we decided to, to, to come together and do startups.com, had, you know, based on what we were paying ourselves early on, if we hadn't had a cushion, this wouldn't have worked, right? There wouldn't have been a way to do this, right? And so, you know, having that, the, the, the freedom and the safety net um, allows you to do things you otherwise wouldn't be able to do. And there's a lot to be said for that. You know, the, as I look at the way the, the opportunities in my life have stacked up, um, it was always, you know, and, and obviously as you go further into this, the safety piece becomes more important, right? My tolerance for safety at 22 was very different than what it is now. I have much more to risk, right? Exponentially, right? I'm now responsible for four lives that aren't mine. Um, at a minimum, right? And I'm, I'm talking about just my family, not, not staff, not anybody else. Um, and so, you know, the, the perception of, of safety certainly changes over time and the desire to remain safe changes over time. Um, but what's interesting is that the, the, the backstop still stays relative, um, to your life and your lifestyle. And, and those are fairly adjustable. So, you know, kind of even at this stage, I would say, that I would feel perfectly safe with, you know, between 150 and 200,000 in the bank. And I feel safe enough to take kind of whatever swing I need to, right? Even at this stage with, with all that I have on the line. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. St stick with that for a second though. We actually hit uh, a few different milestones of safety. Uh, first, it was the business going break even. Then it was being able to pay ourselves so that, you know, we wouldn't be losing money. And then there was another step where we were starting to like make enough money that we could build our own nest eggs, you know, um, on top of that. And, and when I say we, I mean the whole company. And so uh, when we look at those milestones, they aren't the big milestones everybody thinks they are. Like, like everybody's thinking that's 10, 50, 100 million dollars. Those milestones we hit when we we're at ones of millions of dollars, right? Like it, it, it was nowhere near what people think it is. And I think uh, part of the problem is most people have never done this before. This is their first startup and likely their only startup. And so in their minds, they see uh, companies raising a ton of money or companies hitting huge revenue milestones, and they equate that with being big and safe. And the, the truth is, <laughs> the funny thing is most of those companies are incredibly insolvent. Uh, but for ourselves, if we if we establish these real specific milestones and we say, look, job one, shortest path to getting the company on its own uh, legs, because frankly, if the company dies, we're, we're going to go with it. So the company needs to get established first. Um, kind of like, you know, uh, put on your own face mask before, <laughs> before you put on someone else's. Uh, the company is your first face mask. Um, and so the, 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 the goal at that point is to say, cool, uh, let's say we get to $20,000 a month in recurring revenue, and that's just enough to keep the lights on. We're getting paid very little, but the company's going to be around critical milestone because now that we know the company is going to be around we can bet a little bit because we have a little bit of variability in in, in our own cash right then we hit a um uh, a, a next step where we're started to pay ourselves and now our income is safe like our consistent income it may not be as big as we want it to be but it's consistent and we can rely on it which creates a tremendous amount of safety which is exactly what we did then the next step is now we're making a little bit of money and this is where it gets really interesting and this is sort of the turn in all of this. Now that we're safe, we can make bets without having to worry about being safe. 
And that's how you get rich. That's how the richest people get rich because Bill Gates can make massive bets that no one else can afford to make because he can afford to make them, right? The rest of us can't. The rest of us, if our stock portfolio goes to zero, we're screwed. We're done, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a big deal, right? And I mean, that is a, that's a huge feeling of safety, right? When all of a sudden that runway that was in front of you gets extended off to the vanishing point and you can no longer see where the runway ends, that's a hell of a good feeling, right? That's, that is, from a business standpoint, that's the safety that you're looking for, right? Um, lots of revenue, great new clients. Those things are wonderful, but they don't necessarily bring safety, right? It's, it's making that runway, making the, the burn rate disappear um, that becomes that, that real first and, and maybe permanent point of safety, right? Like that's the one that I think we always try to maintain. Uh, it's, it's the one that I stay focused on and, um, you know, it feels great to be there. Right? Like that point, you, you know, what else do you have to worry about? Right? We can keep doing this. We haven't gotten it all right yet. Right. And I think that's something else that's really important to understand. It's not that we nailed everything about the business and we've done it perfect. And now we're done executing and all we have to do is just maintain. That's not it at all. Right. We achieved safety well before we achieved full success or, or any kind of finality in this business. Right. We may never. We may keep working on this thing until we're, you know, fall out of our rocking chairs. I don't know. But we are at a point where we have achieved a significant level of safety for the business, which is fucking awesome. You made a, a good point, but you said that. Um we made decisions based on that particular milestone. And I use consulting as an example. We've actually built a, a great consulting business since then, but that wasn't initially our goal. Our, our, you know, a goal was really a means to an end. It was actually a, a means to an end to get people to use our SaaS product. Um, but it wound up being a, a, you know, a great business into itself. The point is, we knew that, that the consulting business could get us faster to enough ARR in order to uh, keep ourselves afloat than the SaaS business could. So we leaned really heavily on that. Had we just said, look, all that matters is growing the SaaS business, we probably wouldn't have have taken that step because that wasn't our milestone. Um, I think by isolating the milestone and focusing on just that, I think it, it really did dramatically change our focus and, and and ultimately the outcome. I would believe. Yeah, yeah. When you rely when you rely on the outcome of the bet for your safety or for your longevity, that's the problem, right? At the point which you can start to bet that doesn't actually impact your safety, you're, you're, you're in a good spot. I, before, before we move on, I, I want to back up on, on a couple of things. As you walked us through those milestones, I want it to be very, very apparent to everybody listening that those were highly deliberate, right? Those weren't like, oh, we were just trying to grow the business as big as we could get it. And those things happened along the way. That is not, the, that's not it right? We specifically set out to achieve those as the milestones, right? Because I, I really want to make sure that this doesn't slide by in the dark. We optimized for those things. We made decisions to achieve those things. You can say, well, if you were just growing, wouldn't that have happened? Absolutely not, right? We could have, we could have gone for growth and we could have said, hey, let's, let's keep risking. Let's push this up to the point where we're spending every dime we make and then some. Let's take on some debt. Let's do other things. Let's grow, 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 grow. That's not what we did. We very specifically and objectively set out to achieve those milestones to create that base level stability for the business, then the base level stability for the, the individuals. And then we got into, into the growth phase. Well, it, it pays off in, in ways that people may not realize. We were able to make some bets, some acquisitions, actually, early in the business um, 
when we didn't have a ton of revenue, we had millions of revenue in, in revenue, which, which isn't zero, but it's you know not, not tens of millions of revenue at the time. Um, and what was nice about those acquisitions, they weren't huge acquisitions, right? But if they didn't work, we would have been okay. And not because we were printing money. There wasn't it at all. It was because we had already gotten to our, our break-even milestone for the business. So we knew that even if this new endeavor didn't work, it wasn't going to change our outcome. We were still going to be around to figure it out after that. Huge, huge leverage point. Second, we were making just enough in the business that our own bills at home were paid. We get to keep coming back. We get to keep playing. Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't have felt great, but... <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, And so I, I think what what few folks get to see is the power of safety. The power of safety means... E even if even if I know I can just withstand a small hit, it's more than other people can withstand. We knew as a business, it was such a powerful competitive advantage to be able to take a hit. And, and look, I mean, man, if, if you look, you know, we're in the crowdfunding business. Everyone in the crowdfunding business is gone. <laughs> like it's a bloodbath, right? We're like one of the very few companies left. Not because we're so amazing. I mean, we're, we're okay, I guess. But but um, because all those other companies, and they're all good people, by the way. I know a lot of the founders. I'm not, not knocking the founders or the companies, but they didn't have safety, right? That one bet didn't work and there was nothing to fall back on, right? And in that lack of safety became the, the, the death knell for all of them. Uh, and again, that's just crowdfunding. It's just one category. There's a zillion others. It, it underscores, though, how powerful focusing on getting to that safe point, both personally and professionally, um, can fundamentally change the business. The other thing I would say, Ryan, and I'm curious your thoughts here, is we've ne while we've had short-term goals, we've never had a short-term focus. In other words, um, we've always looked at the vision of the business and how we want to help entrepreneurs and said it's going to take 5, 10, 20 years to do what we're trying to do, probably longer. And we kind of knew because we hit safety that it'll just take as long as it takes. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, taking taking urgency off the table is is big. And there's a couple ways in which you do that. Yeah, I mean, the a lot of urgency is self-inflicted. Right? We make up reasons why things are urgent, things that need to happen faster than they actually do. Um, but there are things that are urgent, right? Like, Payroll's pretty urgent, right? Not having enough cash to make it, pretty urgent. Um, so yeah, there, there are a lot of things, I think, that when you get to that point of safety, you take urgency off the table. Um, it allows you to, to maintain focus. And it's, you know, I can't believe I'm about to use this analogy, but in shooting a rifle, right, you have to focus on the front and rear sights at the same time. Right? You got to be able to see the, the, the long-term goal. You got to be able to see the target and you got to be able to see both of your sites at the same time. Um, I would say that taking urgency off the table allows you to have that multi-layered focus where you can say, okay, here's what we have to accomplish tomorrow, but I can still see in the background that longer-term goal that I want to achieve, right? That target that I want to hit. Um, and, and I think that's really where having that level of safety and being able to say that, look, this bet we're about to make doesn't change things in a way that would cause us to have to fold the tents and go home, right? So knowing that we can start to make decisions that, that aren't, you know, 
binary outcomes, right? Like we either survive or we don't based on this decision um, is so empowering and, and allows you to actually achieve those later stage things. And I've, I've already said that, but it's, um, it's not for nothing that, you know, building and, and deliberately getting there is difficult enough, right? And, and so there, there's no shame in aiming for that first point of stability first. Um, and then giving yourself the freedom and the relaxation to be able to go chase down the other stuff, right? Um, when you're constantly worried, constantly scared that you're not going to make great decisions, you're not going to feel good about the stuff you're doing. And, and, and you should, right? This should be, it's not always fun. Um, but it should be, it could be fun more often <laughs> than, than I see a lot of founders going through simply because they don't focus on getting to that point And they're still running scared three, four, five years into the business because they keep hedging their bets too strongly or, or sorry, they're not hedging their bets enough. Well, you know, interesting, Ryan, in, in all of this, as we've been talking about safety, what we haven't talked about is being rich, right? We've talked about all this optionality that we've created and we and we keep talking about it, which I think is very interesting, in terms of like minimum viable income here. We keep talking about what's the minimum we needed to get to at the company to become safe. What's the minimum we need to pay ourselves to become safe, et cetera. Um, at no point did we say that these life-changing kind of monumental milestones were about becoming rich. So just for, just for a second, I, I just want to point out that once you're safe, becoming rich becomes a luxury goal. Right. In other words, once you're safe, you're like, hey, you know, I've got enough cash in the bank where I can weather a couple storms. I'm not, I'm not rich. Rich it has a different version for everybody. But but if I were to give it just a little bit of um, a little bit of character, I would say rich means I have the option to do things without having to worry about the cost. Safe means I I can play defense. I can absorb a cost if it comes my way. Uh, rich, I'm doing it because I want to. Uh, safe, I'm doing because I have to. Does that make sense? Right. And so in my mind, um, once in my life, I knew that I was safe and I could start making bets that I could uh, rebound from. Uh, I was almost invariably going to become rich. I'm not saying it's it's, it's going to happen to everybody, but I'm saying I had so many opportunities to make so many bets because I had some safety that eventually something was going to work <laughs> to spite me. And, and I think uh, because most people never uh, get to play with house money, they don't understand how powerful that is. And so what I would say is, if, if you're thinking about your goals here, again, both personally and professionally with, with the business, first think about what do I need to get just enough to be safe so that I can make some really big bets and make those the one that paid off, which by the way, those bets might be another startup. <laughs> this startup might just be the means to becoming safe so I can go make other bets. I mean, which yeah. is you know kind of interesting to me. Well, that was exactly the cadence of, of my story, right? Which is that, you know, it, it, st it started with a, a series of small businesses that allowed me to have enough cash to build the bigger ones and have the freedom to choose to build the bigger ones. Um, yeah. And, and so I, I think that's the, the other thing that ends up happening. Um, and I think this is one of these reasons that we, we do these like, wildly outsized outcomes, you know, as, as targets, uh, we forget that this isn't the only chance we're going to get to play this game if we want to, right? You That's, can yeah, keep doing point. this, right? <laughs> so like, um, if it's the only one you ever get to do and, and you're the only person who can decide that then, and, and you need $10 billion and yeah, you gotta get 10 billion out of the first one. But the, the reality is, um, most of the founders I know are, you know, have, have done multiple startups, 
um, or multiple businesses. Not all of them would qualify as startups in my book. Um, my first couple businesses, I would not call startups at all. They were, they were businesses. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that we, we have to be careful there, um, in, in allowing like this to be like, of course we have to stay focused and we have to, we don't want to play shiny ball syndrome and say, well, look, I'll just go do another one. I'll just go do another one. I'll, I'll just go do another one. But but the reality is you probably will, or you can if you want or need to. Um, and you can leverage a small outcome into a bigger one later, right? Let me talk about it in two ways, bud. First, uh, let's talk about the fact that maybe we're just talking about a milestone. You know, again, just like startups.com, like our first milestone was just become safe. And the next milestone happens to be the same company, but it's essentially another era, right? The second is I may be pursuing an opportunity uh, and I might say, well, that's never going to make me rich. But if it's the fastest uh, part to making you safe, you then get to spend the rest of your life worrying about getting rich while everyone else is trying to spend the rest of their life trying to get Just safe. getting safe. Yep. Look, I mean, we're saying the same thing in a lot of different ways. What we think startups need to do, what founders need to do right now is just figure out exactly what safety looks like, exactly what that minimum threshold is for, for, for cash, for productivity in the business, et cetera, and go all in on that so that we can spend the rest of our time actually becoming rich.